life. <laughs> All right, let's pray and we'll continue on. Abba, we thank you that uh, your presence is here. We thank you that you've been leading us a certain way for the last few weeks, Father. And we want to continue in that direction because you are preparing us, shaping us, molding us. You're chipping stuff off of us so that we are how we need to be for you. I thank you about that tonight or today. You're going to move our hearts in the direction that you want us to go. So help us to see everything that you're showing us. Help us to hear everything that you're speaking. We need you, as we said before. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read out uh, a few lines from one of my favorite songs. Here it goes. There are roads that are still untouched, that have yet to receive your love. And all creation is crying out for the cross. There are hearts that have yet to see the power of Christ that has set them free. For such a love you have sent your son to save what's lost. So there are roads that are still untouched by the good news of Jesus Christ. There are hearts that haven't yet seen what the power of God can do for them. There is a, there is a picture that I wanted up, Brandon, if you can bring up. It's just a simple picture, but sometimes we've got to look at it, look at our city, look at our uh, nation, look at the countries that we go to with a different perspective. There are roads that are still untouched. And this one here on the map, BC, it's only showing you the main roads. There are plenty of other roads, all leading to different lives, all leading to different people. I want us to think about that. Roads that are still untouched. There are lives that have yet to see what the power of God can do for them. We have seen it. We've experienced it. We rely on it on a daily basis. But there are people out there who haven't seen. And all through the last few weeks, what God has been doing in us is this commission that he is sending us on. Go. Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, commanding them to, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you until the very end of age. So we go. That's where we start from. But there is one thing that we are going to look at today, which is in our going, as God sends us, there is one thing that is critical. We've got to be very foolish. We've got to be fools for the kingdom. And when I say fools, all of a sudden there are so many ideas that come to our mind. Uh, am I asked to be silly? No. You're wise when you're fool. So we'll touch on that verse first. Let's, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 4.10. This is a requirement for us to go. If we are to go, we have to follow the pattern that Jesus set for us already. We have to follow the pattern that the apostles have set already. And in our going, in our praying, in our preparation for what is to come, we are saying we want to be fools for Christ's sake. Read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. 
This is Paul speaking to others. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. Disrepute. What does it say? You did not know Christ before, but I came to you with a foolish message as far as the world is concerned. I came to you being a fool for the sake of Christ. But as I became a fool for you, you became wise in God. As I became weak, you became strong in God. And that's the verse we're going to look at today. Being fools for the kingdom. Emptying us for the sake of the kingdom. Because we, we've been speaking, we've been hearing this idea that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It is waiting to break into lives. And one of the prerequisites for us to walk in it, to walk in the ways of Christ, is to know that the world and the systems and everything that we see outside is the exact opposite of the ways of Christ. It's actually very misleading when we have this image that we sometimes say there's a, there's a road and then a person has to take two, two ways, right? It's like a Y-shaped road. It never is. It's the exact opposite. You either follow Christ and everything that Christ says is opposite to the systems of the world. It's the exact opposite. There is no hybrid. There is no um, overlap of those ways. They are exactly opposite. And the ways of Christ will look foolish to the world outside. And Paul says, and we say, we want to be foolish for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the kingdom. So we'll touch on that today. So our king, let's first talk about our king then. So our, our king, who is the king of this kingdom, who we follow after, he is the all-powerful, good, creator God. He's all-powerful. He's good. He's creator God. That's the king we are preaching to the world. But God chooses it this way, that this king was the same humiliated king on the cross. This king was the same king who died. This king was butchered. This king was accursed. This king was beaten upon, spit upon. And this king, as Sue said, is hung on a cross. And this message is the message of the cross. That if you are to follow Christ, you have to look at the cross, which is a foolish message as far as the world is concerned. But anyone who is preaching the message of Christ, anyone who is preaching the message of the king, cannot separate themselves from the cross. You cannot. Christianity is not a religion of self-improvement. It is not a religion of this is how God can make you better. This is not something which is one of the ten different ways to God. This is the only way to God. And Christianity is a religion of rescue and salvation. Christianity is a religion of rescue and salvation. In other words, if you do not want rescue, if you do not want salvation, Christianity is all about it. You cannot preach Christianity. You cannot preach Christ without preaching rescue without preaching salvation so our king is all powerful he's kind he's glorious he's the honor of the 
universe, Colossians chapter 116, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, all things that are visible, all things that are invisible, all authority, all thrones, all kingdoms, all kings, they all bow down to Jesus. So that's, that's the Jesus we know. But the Jesus that we talk about is not just that Jesus. The Jesus we proclaim, the Jesus we announce, the, the kingdom that we speak of has a king who also died. A brutal death on the cross. For what? To save me. For what? To save you. And so we cannot speak of Christianity. We cannot speak of this message unless we speak of the crucified Christ. And Christianity is a religion of salvation and rescue. I remember meeting a guy in uh, Starbucks two or three years into my stay in Vancouver. We started talking and he, he seems to be really knowledgeable of the Bible. He, he really knows it. He's speaking things from the Bible. And then he proceeded on to tell me, it's just one of the different ways to God. And Bible is something that I use, I read on a daily basis to improve myself. And this world, unfortunately, because we don't speak enough, because we don't proclaim enough, it is one of the ways, as far as some people are concerned. The roads that are still untouched, the lives that haven't seen the power of Christ, need to know the real message of Jesus Christ, which is a message of rescue and salvation, which is a message that says, this is the only way back to the Father. There is no other way. There is no other way. And I'm, I'm going all over, but it's okay. I wanted to say this later. But I want to say it now. One of the things that's stopping us from progressing the gospel of Christ in Canada is political correctness. For, the, for Paul and the apostles, it was something else. Because the Jews demanded signs. The Greeks demanded wisdom. But for us, in this, in this day and age, one of the things we have to go past, break down, is political correctness. It absolutely is. There is still a question of wisdom. There is still questions of wisdom. There is still questions for science. But there is, in Canada, in the places we live, places we work, our schools, our colleges, our universities, our neighborhoods, there is still one thing which is blocking, stopping, trying to impede the progress of the gospel, which is political correctness. I want to read out the definition because I, I was looking this up when I thought about this. Political correctness is a term used to describe language, policies, or measures that are intended to avoid offense or disadvantage to members of, a part of particular groups in society. It's intended to avoid offense. But then the word that we read, the message of Christ is, 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 is a stumbling block to the Jews. And it is not politically correct. But it is the message that we carry. And so I don't want us to go from here after this, after these weeks, thinking there is the kingdom, there is, it's at hand. But practically for us, we have to look at the system that has been built up 
for different countries, it's different. Because in, in India, if you go, it's not, it's not this. I can tell you. <laughs> it's not political correctness. There, it's a different thing. But here, it is something that stands up against the ways of God. And we have to recognize that and break it down because it stands against the ways of God. We have to recognize it. We see it and we say, I am opposing it. Christians are people who go in the opposite spirit of the world. The world, the world goes a certain way. The Holy Spirit in us, the excellent spirit in us that was in Daniel, it goes the opposite way. It doesn't conform, conform to the ways of the world. It goes in the exact opposite ways. So if the world says you need to be politically correct, the kingdom says, the word of my father, our father says, you speak what I've given you. It is going to look foolish. It is going to look not sophisticated. It is, it is going to be an offense to someone, but that ain't stopping us. And so the, the message today for us is to practically look at our lives and say, what's, what's stopping us? Because sometimes it's political correctness. I'll list down three other things. Avoidance is another one. Avoidance. Because sometimes it's easy just to avoid. It's easy just to not talk about it. It's easy not to talk about it because if we just avoid certain parts of the discussion, certain parts of the gospel, it's not offensive anymore. God loves you is a great starter. But then if you go into the cross, into what Jesus did and what Jesus commanded, then that becomes an offense. Avoidance. Political correctness. Let's see, our, as I'm talking, let's look at our lives. What's stopping us? What's stopping us? Is it the need to be sophisticated? Because sometimes what hap the world does to us is it, 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 it works in a way to conform us to the ways of the world, which is it needs sophistication. It needs a certain way of saying things. And Paul, in one of the epistles, I'm going to read this, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 to 5. Let's read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. This is Paul who is speaking. The guy we read all the time and we wonder, how, how can he write like this? Sentences that never end. And he said this. And I... When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is Paul speaking. So we speak like him in that I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knew more. 
But he knew that everything he knew was not significant at all. When it came to the gospel, this gospel in itself was the power of Christ. Nothing else needed to be added to it. And therefore, Paul is saying, and therefore we are to say, I'm here. No, and I know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I do not come with lofty speech and wisdom. I don't have big words. I don't have sophistication. And when I was with you, I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Because when we read what Paul has written, when we think of what happened, we don't think of it like this. But he came in much fear, in trembling. He was unsure, not very impressive. But the message he carried, the gospel he carried, was the power of God that was unto salvation. So one of the things that So we talked about political correctness. Avoidance. Dilution. What's another thing? Dilution. Because you're diluting the message by, you can easily dilute the message of Christ by skipping a few parts in it where it's not offensive anymore where it's not, where the person listening to it will not feel like you're an odd guy or how can he speak like that? It's not politically correct. It's just how, how, can, how can that be? But this message has always been a message like this to which we are not to add anything, to which we are not to remove anything, from which we are not to remove anything. We are to speak it as it is. And then what we also do is We accessorize the simple truth. That's when you feel like you need to add something more to the message of the cross so that people can be interested. More accessories. More to the message. And this is very prevalent in our age and day today. Where we feel like we need to add more to the gospel. Add a little bit more about if you do it, then this. We don't need to. This message in itself is the power of God. I know I'm spending a few extra minutes here, but we really need to think about this. And we have to practically apply this in our lives. To see, Abba, these roads that are for me to take, that are still untouched, I want to go with the gospel message as you send me. And when I go, I don't want to be sophisticated. I don't want to know anything except Christ and Christ crucified. Nothing else. I carry the message of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to dilute it. I'm not going to avoid anything. I'm not going to accessorize it with other things. The simple truth and the gospel of Christ is what I carry. And this gospel that is to save the world, which is a message of great salvation, 
What does it save people from? It saves people from death, disease. Sin, shame, guilt, loss of identity. Unforgiveness, bitterness, separation from father. Anything that the world needs, the gospel provides. Because this message is anyone who is faced with death, who doesn't know what is next, this gospel says there is life after that. There is eternal life after that. And you get to spend your life with God. And there is death here on earth, even from which, not for your entire life, but when there is disease spreading, when there is healing required, this gospel comes in, storms in and heals and delivers. With respect to sin, there is forgiveness of sins. You may have done so many things in your past, but I have seen that for myself, my God has healed me, and he looks at me as if he looks Jesus. And this forgiveness of sin is for you too. Shame and guilt. I lived in shame. I lived in guilt. But you know what? Now I don't have shame and guilt anymore. Because I, I know that I am righteous. I know that I am, forgive, that I am forgiven. That's the message I carry. Loss of identity. I walked around not knowing who I am. But now I am a son. Let me show you what living like a son looks like. It's from my life. I've been living like this for the last 10 years now. And it has changed me. It changes me every day. I struggled with identity, not knowing where I belonged, not knowing who I am. But now when I walk the streets, I know who my father is. I know my God. And I walk fully knowing that he is with me and I'm his son. Do we need this? This is the only way. This is the only way. Do you feel unforgiven? Do you feel bitter to others? My father can release you. He forgives you and then he puts a spirit in you that allows you to forgive others and not be bitter to others. And as soon as you receive him, receive Jesus, you're not separated from the Father anymore. You're close to him. Anytime, any day, 24-7. You live in presence. So freeing. You're adopted. So freeing for the world. So our mandate is, mandate is clear. Our mandate is from Luke chapter 24, 46 to 48. Luke chapter 24, 46 to 48. It reads, Jesus told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And so the church that does not proclaim 
her feet is pulled back its its progress is impeded from becoming isaiah 52:7 read isaiah 52:7 How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness who publishes salvation who says to zion your god reigns the feet the beautiful feet that is to go go the beautiful feet so when i don't proclaim this message it impedes the the the, the progression of the church is impeded it's pulled back the beautiful shoes that we have been given to travel these roads to go to houses to meet people to change their lives because the power of the gospel can do it that progression is pulled back when i don't proclaim so without diluting the message without accessorizing the truth without political correctness without adding anything to the truth i preach this gospel the simple message of the crucified messiah who lived who died who resurrected who is now at the right hand of the father i preach it with boldness because i live it it has changed my life and it can change yours mark chapter 16 one of my favorite passages in the bible why because everything that jesus said was for all of us it wasn't for the disciples alone go go and you preach this gospel and those who believe to them these things will happen He didn't say you go and when you preach these things will happen. He said you go preach and when you preach people will believe and to those who will believe meaning us they will cast out demons. They will heal the sick, clean the lepers, raise the dead. And this is what we've been praying for. this is what our hearts are after and we speak we proclaim we don't stop so i want us to in response to what god is telling us today think about abba in in the circles that i am in in the places that i belong to work wise neighborhood wise schools that you go to grocery stores wherever i come across people because everyone has been paid for there is not a single person on the face of earth who hasn't been paid for they're all rescued they just don't know so who can i who can i go to access i don't need anything just put you've given me the shoes on my feet i'm going to travel i'm going to go and this doesn't mean that we need to go to nations when god sends us to nations we'll go to nations but there is so much here so much here it's simple this message is simple there is nothing more to it but i go with this message jesus changed my heart that i don't stay away from it because you've given me everything i need for me to speak this i live it i can speak it you changed my life around and so i will boldly proclaim in the circles in the spheres of influence that you've given me i'll speak it and we'll be amazed what happens when we speak cuz sonship and everything we know about is all about obedience obeying the father 
The results are not for us to calculate. The results are not for us to worry about. That's, he takes care of that. We expect a lot in terms of what he wants to do. So every time we speak, we expect him to move. I want to read Romans chapter 116, but from the message, if you have it on your iPhones or Samsung or whatever you use, Romans chapter 116, Romans chapter 116, but read it this time from the message, because it, 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 you'll see something, you'll, re, re, you'll read the verse in different light. It says, it's news I am most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews and then right on to everyone else. This is the same verse in other translations. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But read it this way. Rather than reading it as, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, read it this way. It is news that I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews and right on to everyone else. So from a place of, I'm not ashamed. I am proud and I live to speak and proclaim this message. I'm, uh, this is what I live for. This is what we live for. I want to look at three or four different things that are characteristics of a fool. And then we'll close. I promise today we'll finish before one. Pavan. So what are the characteristics of a fool? A fool finds strength in his weakness. A fool finds strength in his weakness. So my strength comes into its own, says God, in your weakness. My strength, says God, comes into its own, in your weakness. So with respect to what God is asking us to do, we go, Abba, we need you. Direct me. Change me. I don't have what it takes, but I have everything I it, 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 it takes at the same time. I don't have it in me by myself, but because you're with me, I have everything I need. You've given me power. You've given me authority. You've given me the words. You've given me your spirit. I don't need anything else. But at the same time, Abba, I can't do this alone because I am so weak. I don't. I can't. I've tried. It just doesn't work. I need you. I need you to fully come into me. I need you to lead me. I want to be 0% Derek, 100% God. Because then it's you and you only. I am weak. I need you. And when we operate like this, where we go, I don't have what it takes, but I have everything that takes. I don't have it in my flesh. I don't have it in me. But with God, I have it. Everything I need. Then I'm able to move in the direction God is saying. Because I'm not reliant on my power, my limited words, my limited strength anymore. Because in my weakness, His strength becomes its own. In my weakness... His strength becomes its own. So the weaker I get in that, my flesh being reduced in the plans that God has for me, the stronger I become. Second thing, 
Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14. Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14. A fool chooses the narrow when the world goes for the wide or broad path. A fool chooses the narrow when the world goes for the wide or broad path. You choose that is not popular and that which could cause you to be mocked upon. And you operate in an opposite spirit. A fool challenges what the world conforms to. A fool despises what the world esteems. And a fool esteems what the world despises. Guys, if you think about this, you'll soon realize, I don't, sometimes when I watch TV, <laughs> in these, like, talk shows or whatever, you, you always hear people clapping, yeah? It's like people, someone will say something and there'll be claps. <laughs> What's fascinating is, most of the thing I believe in, when someone says there's no clap. It's true for you too. It's true for you too. Because if we are to chase the applause of man, we will never speak what God wants us to speak. If we are to chase the applause of man, we will never speak what we are to speak. We speak exactly what, because it's so much from a relationship. This is my father. I am so in love with him. He is with me every day. Here is the message he has given me. I know who you are in Christ. I am here to deliver this message. I don't care about anything else. This is all about him and me. And now you are included in this because he loves you and he has a plan for you. That's the message. I don't need you to clap. I don't need, need you to approve. This is what I speak. This is possible. This is how they lived. This is how the people in the book of Acts lived. And God added to their numbers daily. But somehow, over the course of time, things have come up. And now without us even knowing, there is a system all around us that prevents us from speaking. And the man or the woman who believes in Christ and has the Spirit of God living inside them are to wake up every day and look at the systems of the world and they are to say, I will oppose you because my God lives in me and His Spirit is opposing the ways of the world. 100%. This is how it works. And it, if we are not intentional about it, if you don't think about it, we, we soon lose what we have been given. The opposite of fool, do you know what, what that is? It, it's cool. <laughs> you don't want to be cool. <laughs> the opposite of fool is cool. <laughs> I know Bishop wants to be cool, but sorry, bro. <laughs> be a cool fool. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be cool. We love fool more than cool. And actually, the cool word also means not hot anymore. That's what these systems of the world wants to do. So a fool challenges. If we, if we can wake up every day like this, about your spirit in me, operates in an opposite way to the way the world performs, the way the world conducts. Number three, a fool happily chooses obedience and obscurity 
when the world chooses fame a fool happily happily out of relationship chooses obscurity and obedience rather than fame the world wants fame the world wants to be known but a fool chooses abba this is just between you and i you've put me as part of the body i know who you, what your plan is i i just want to be obedient and i am i am happy with obscurity no one knowing no one knowing anything but as you send me i will go a fool chooses obscurity and obedience over fame a fool chooses obscurity and obedience over fame or recognition because fame may feel like it's just too far out there or recognition or approval and there is no selfish ambition involved a fool disregards the applause of man for the voice of heaven <laughs> if we can be a people like this where what we cherish and put so close to our heart is the voice of heaven well done son well done daughter over everything else each day every day next one a fool is willing to walk on water when the master says step out a fool is willing to walk on water when the master says step out i believe that god is asking us on my drive here i, I what i sense and what i believe is this god is saying move god is saying move god is saying i want you to move i will move among you and i will cause you to move from where you are to this new place that i'm calling you to it's here it's available it's for you to walk in right now you don't have to wake up tomorrow to walk into it it's right now as soon as you go out as wherever you're going in your in your house tonight you can move into this space that i have created for you where your shoes where your feet are shoed with the gospel of good news that you are to go onto roads cities nations carrying my power carrying my word carrying my love for other people and it's right now and when i ask you to step on step out from the boat onto water you do it and one of the things that god will do with us he'll he's, he'll stretch you he'll stretch us only for us to say aha this is a better way of living he'll stretch us as we are obedient to him only for us to say wow abba i never knew i could live like this i never knew i could walk like this i never knew this could happen but because when with a simple obedience when you say when he says come step out when i say i don't know but because you said i'll step out when he says i want you to go to this person and say this with simple obedience when i say okay abba i don't know that person but i will go and say exactly what you said you're walking on water and a fool will do that because he's in a relationship with a father the world cannot see yet but as soon as they see it as soon as they see him they will know and the last one 
A fool proclaims what the world considers as foolish and is brave-hearted in the face of resistance. Brave-hearted. It is in us. The Spirit of God makes us brave. Brave-hearted in the face of resistance. This is why you can see Paul and Silas, Acts chapter 16, 25. They had a pretty long day. They were at a trial, got beaten up, are in a jail now, past midnight. A good day to have an excuse and say, Abba, I'll continue tomorrow. Today was a long day. It was pretty, pretty bad, pretty long. Got beaten up, had to stand all the time. Tomorrow, I'll get back to it. No. They said, we're going to sing. Clamorously foolish. There's a song like that. Clamorously foolish. In the face of adversity. In the face of resistance. Brave-hearted. Because this God, this Jesus, who met me on the way to Damascus, he, I saw him. And he is not going to leave me. I know him fully well. I am still to go to different places. So I ain't sleeping tonight. I am worshiping tonight. Because I know that there is more for me. There is more. There is a more. There is incredible adventures waiting for me. And it's a yes from me to my father. And so in the face of resistance, I am brave hearted. David in 2 Samuel 6.16. When people despised him, including his wife. He did not stop leaping and dancing before the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel chapter 3, 16 to 18. They said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter, king. Brave-hearted. In the face of opposition, in the face of resistance. Stephen, Acts chapter 7. The question that the high priest asked Stephen is, are these things true? He made a mistake by asking a question. Because there is a passage full of what God did with Israelites, what God did with Christ, and who Christ is as a response. The question that the high priest asked Stephen is, are these things true? They brought you here and they want you killed. Are these things true? His response is the gospel. Proclamation. Brave-hearted, because Christ lives in us. Because he is who he said he is. And so may we have lives that articulates the gospel and the ways of Jesus at work, in business, in schools, in communities that we are part of. May we have lives that articulate lives, not words. Words, great. That's what we've talked about. But lives as well. Where people will look at our lives and our very lives articulate the gospel, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the healing nature of God, the deliverance of God. May we have lives that articulate it. And then when we speak, 
a life that engages the world and challenges its way of thinking without being accommodated by it. We engage the world. We don't, we're not in the corner. We're right there. We engage the world. And when we do this, the kingdom becomes delightfully visible. When we do this, the kingdom becomes delightfully visible to the world around us, to prostitutes, to Pharisees, to tax collectors, to friends, family, the kingdom becomes visibly delightful. So, we'll close. I want us to, in our minds, respond to what God has been saying. So, Abba, we we've heard everything that you've, that you've said. We carry with us a message that is old, but at the same time new. That the world ha hasn't heard. There are lives that are untouched, roads that have not seen this message. So Jesus, you've been calling us. And above we give our minds, our hearts, our lives, our bodies in obedience to your word. We look at our lives and we do not see people who cannot. We see a spirit of God who is in us and therefore makes us fully prepared for the task at hand. Every one of us in this room fully prepared for the task at hand. Jesus, we've been hearing that we are to follow what you said, that your kingdom is here. So proclaim it. And so whenever we meet people above and there is a need and people are asking for help, we will see the invis invisible where your kingdom is ready to break in. And above, when we proclaim, these are not go going to be just words being spoken. These are going to be seeing the invisible, believing in you, and then speaking. Jesus, we don't want sophistication. We, we don't want to add to your gospel. We don't want to dilute it. We want to preach it as it is. Jesus, clothe our feet with your shoes, the shoes of the gospel. Jesus, just like Paul heard a Macedonian call. As a church, we right now say, we want to hear you leading us to different places in our cities. We're supposed to go to the grocery store, but then God said, take a left. There is this employee in the office who I have not talked before, but God said, write a card. And then God began to speak to me, and I wrote down everything that he said. And I did not stop from doing it because I was afraid. Because God said this, I send it, I gave it. I was on the way to church. It was supposed to be at 10.30, and I saw something. And because my life is given to the kingdom expanding and I'm on the front line, I stopped. And because God is asking me to move into a new place, 
not just for me, but for the church, we go two by two. Where there are places where there is no one with us, it's just me, I know that the Spirit of God is always with me. I rely on the fact that God said, anytime you're speaking to someone and you don't know how to respond, ask. I'll put words on your mouth. I rely on that promise. So but we are ready. We want to do this with you. You have brought us thus far for this cause. And we will be a people who proclaim. Abba, we are ready to make sure that we not just talk about the gospel, but we live the gospel every day, Abba. And we think of how this gospel has changed us and is changing us. That is the one thing that gives us the conviction to speak it. The gospel is not a thing that we take from the shelf and we articulate and we share with others. This is the story that we live. And because I live it, I have full conviction of it. I see him every day and when they say, why do you know, how do you know, how can be so sure? I say, I know because I talked with him this morning. And this is the lifestyle you're calling us to. Because sonship is about my father's business. And my father is in the business of rescuing others. They may not know it, but I am here to tell them. So we thank you, Father. As we go, we look at, I want us to look at our, our legs, right, our feet right now. I want us to look at our feet. Abba, you're saying that you're putting new shoes, new shoes on our feet that make us prepared. Someone said we, we are on a rock now and we are standing firm. And now that you, as you're sending us, we go, we are ready. We have new shoes, Abba. We thank you for these new shoes, shoes of the gospel, of proclamation, and we carry this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I told you, we'll finish before one. <laughs>